I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice, or SMCs. Like you, as SMCs, we decided to become mothers knowing we'd be the sole care provider and parent of our children, at least at the outset. And the Mocha is for Black. We discuss being SMCs from an intentionally Black lens. You'll connect with all the interesting and fun things about this non-traditional path. Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co-parent to rely on for occasional childcare, and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, we are coming to you with a very special episode all about boys and being boy moms. And so since Aisha and I are not currently raising boys, we have two special guests with us from our Mocha SMC community. One person is Tony and the other is Toja. Can you both tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Hi, everyone. I'm Toja. I have two twin six-year-old boys. Um, We live here in Maryland. Yeah, I'm happy with them. (laughs) We've, We've been through a journey together. And it's been it's been a good ride so far. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Um, I am Tony Jackson here in Washington, D.C. I'm a proud foster and adoptive mother. I have twin seven year olds, a boy and a girl. And then I um, currently continue to foster and I have a six year old boy. So a mix going on in the household. Oh my gosh. I love that we have two moms of twins. That was really, like that wasn't even purposeful. I feel like we have to have a whole nother episode just to talk about twins because that is like uh, an element that I know lots of moms are also, you know, very curious about. All right. All right. So, so let's dive right in. I know from being in a number of different SMC spaces that we get a surprising number of moms who are anxious about having boys Um, have some degree of gender disappointment or sex disappointment when they find out that they're having boys. And so we wanted to dive right in and address this right off the bat. We did you experience any type of gender anxiety um, when you found out that you would be parenting a boy? I think that I was more concerned with getting through my pregnancy than I was about the actual gender. When I found out I was having twins, which was really early, about nine weeks in, well, mm-hmm. actually a little bit earlier than that, actually, I can't remember, but it was pretty early, but we didn't quite know the gender yet or the the sex, I should say. I was hoping for a boy and a girl. And I was like, that'd be cool. I could just knock it all out at once and not have to look back if I ever decide to have more kids because I was going to be one and done. And then when I found out I had twins, I was like, oh, here we go. It's like nature's way of being like, gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. And I had a a bunch of friends like already kind of curse me or bless me. I should say either which way you want to look at it. Then they were really clear that I was going to have boy. I was going to be a mom, a boy, a mom of boys. And so when I found out that I was having two boys, It took me a minute. I'm not going to lie, but I don't know that I would call it disappointment. It just took me to kind of reorient my brain. 
Um, so was it like a head. shock? The first shock was like, oh my gosh, I'm having twins. That was more of a shock <laughs> than the than the actual sex of the twins. And they were like, oh yeah, it's very clear. You've got two boys in there. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what about you, Tony? I will say that I am a boy's mom. And so mm-hmm. when I got the call that I got these uh, twin babies, I wanted twins anyway. So I was mm-hmm. like, God heard my prayers. So oh. <laughs> I wanted twins anyway. And then when I got the call from Child and Family Services and they told me the names of the children, I was like, okay, obviously one is a boy, but I called them back and I was like, wait a minute, are these both boys? Because I really didn't want a girl because of the sass and Mm -hmm. the attitude and all of that, which I got. But um, yeah, I I really was a little bit more, I had to adjust to, okay, one's a boy, one's a girl, but at least it's not two girls. So um, I'm a provider, uh, more so than a nourisher type of mom. And so I wanted to be able to run around, kick my boys in the butt, throw them around, you know, and we could be rough and tumble. But um, my little girl runs and, you know, kicks it with us as well. So really, I was just excited to get the twins part and just be a mom, period. And at least having, you know, one boy. Again, I, I have two boys now. It just fulfills what I was really looking for. And then to have the girl, it does add the girly part of me when I just don't want to deal with a stanking boy. <laughs> uh, it's funny though, like I think a lot of times people will project onto their kids like what they what they just assume that a gender is going to be like because I know that, you know, I remember when my girl was, was playing around with this boy neighbor of ours and the mom was like, be gentle, be gentle, you know? And the kid turned and was like, it's Stella. Like, (laughs) you know, like they just, they just wrestle and they smell and, you know, like they're just as messy. And so it's interesting because you could also get a boy likely who's just like, you know, defying gender stereotypes and doesn't want to be messy and perhaps like, you know, some of the things that we attribute to girls. For me, it was interesting because I I actually teach about gender and sexuality. <laughs> I'm a professor. Oh, wow. So and I'm a feminist. Like I don't uh, I don't mince words. See, that's that, and, I'm telling you, that's why you got boys. Right. And I was like, this is the universe telling me, okay, walk the walk now, walk the walk. And I actually now am so blessed because I actually think of my boys as like my secret weapon. <laughs> like I'm gonna <laughs> you know, train them in such a way that hopefully, you know, they're a blessing in the world and that they Mm -hmm. actually can model the kind of malehood or masculine energy that, you know, we need in the world. So, you know, it's been interesting because I very quickly kind of shifted into this is an opportunity. Here we go. This is going to be a real challenge Mm -hmm. for me. All right. Let's talk about peeing and potty training. I know that, you know, for, for moms, like we don't have boy parts, right? So it might be a little bit of a surprise the first time you take off the diaper and your boy is peeing in your face, which happened to me when I was raising a baby boy and he, for some reason, every time the wind would hit his wee wee, he would go flying, which never happened with my girls. And so I'm wondering if this is normal, like Tony, is this normal? Like, do they all do this? I will say absolutely. From what I had experienced, I got my babies at nine months. And you're right. Every time I opened that diaper, it was like, you know, you decided to pee when you felt fresh air. Uh Where again, even with my little girl, she, you know, and again, with her part being, you know, down more so, it 
she peed, it would go down into the diaper or back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I even have dated a guy. They still at, you know, 50. <laughs> wind blows. I want to get hard or something. So. <laughs> well, better that than the pee. Better yeah. that than the pee. Right. Yeah, so I, got, I, just, I got really good at shielding the diaper. So whenever I pulled the diaper up, I would just pause and kind of hold the diaper above and just like catch it. Cause I got, you know, do it once, do it twice. I'm, you're not going to get me a third time. And so I, I, I got really good at uh, preempting the, the pee in the face. That's how I dealt with it. My son peed in his own face one time and got really upset. And I was like, dude, you do this to yourself, you know? Of course, he did not learn his lesson. But they they also have these, like, pee shields. I don't know if that even mm-hmm. makes sense. Because, like, if it's not disposable, then you're going to have to just wash it. And that just totally, totally defeats the purpose. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's a thing. So, Tony and Toja, what tips or tricks might you have once you get to like potty training a toddler, right? Because I I think both her and I are at the potty training stages and it got real, you know, real quick. And so, but we girls pee down and (laughs) they don't have a sword to have to manage as as well. So... So do you have any tips, tricks, any, any, what was your experience potty training toddlers? Again, having twins and one boy, one girl, I kept them all doing everything together. So I used it as an advantage to kind of have a competition with one another who could Mm -hmm. go to the bathroom properly first. And I would always give like fruit snacks to this day. They still call them boo-boo treats. Um, but every time they, yeah, every time they would go to the bathroom properly, they would get a boo-boo treat. And so what I found though with my son is it took him a little longer. And so talking with one of my guy friends, he recommended throw a Cheerio in the toilet mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. them aim at the Cheerio. And that got him, he, it was a game. And so that got him going more in the toilet as opposed to all around. Now, you know, sometimes he would get it, sometimes he wouldn't, but it got to the point where it goes in the toilet, not on the rim or anything else. And so mm-hmm. that was the best training tool that I had um, that worked for my son. What about you, Toja? Did you get any special tips on that? It's almost identical. We use the Cheerio that helped and I did I did build in some competition one is more competitive than the other and the one that is not competitive makes up his mind when he's going to do things anyway so that didn't quite work for me it just depends on the dynamic between the siblings but you know with singletons they're they're on their own trying to do it I imagine and we used fruit snacks as well for treats I'll say that expectations for potty training, I really had to adjust it from beginning to end in terms of being able to go number one and number two. It took altogether almost two years. Mm. They were able to pee pretty well, pretty quickly, like I think in a fairly sort of reasonable amount of time, but it was much longer for them to be okay being, you know, doing number two. 
in, in the potty. Um, they just, for some reason, had a hard time sitting on the pot and mm. allowing themselves to, to go. And so I had to really kind of be, be patient, try not to shame them in any way. Just had a lot of days with poop poop everywhere. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. And sometimes it was that they really did try and that did just not, they just mentally were not there and I couldn't pull them along. And so um, I realized that when I was putting more pressure on them, we had more accidents. And when I kind of backed mm-hmm. off, they mm-hmm. tended to come along and, and be a little bit more open to exper- experimenting and doing the thing and, and, mm-hmm. and practicing. So potty training is not for the weak for both boys and girls, but I do think that for boys, it does take longer. And of course, my kids are six and we just got them completely night trained. So mm. it's taken a minute. Yeah. So I have a question. Urinals. Do you have them? Don't have them? Let them be surprised in the public restroom? What's what's the deal there? Um, <laughs> my kids haven't <laughs> didn't see a urinal until they went to actual school and they were like pleasantly surprised I think they were like what's that like they were really kind of excited and you know like what is that in the bathroom <laughs> that the like, wall? yeah you get to pee know, on the, the wall, wall. <laughs> right? um, but they did it together so that was a blessing and so now I'm not as as worried about you know having them going to a public restroom, which we haven't really had to do because of COVID. Um, And they're just at that age where I'm going to have to have them go themselves because Mm -hmm. they look like they're almost eight years old. Mm -hmm. And so So that's a question I had. Like, I think for me, one of the things that I was always anxious about is like that moment where they're too old to go to the bathroom with you. How have you handled that, Tony? Have you gotten to that point with your kids yet? Yes, yes. What I've done is I I will take them to the bathroom and I will stand outside the public restroom because I do want my son to be a leader and um reach further um and be more be independent. And so I had him go to the bathroom but I'd stand outside the door, have him go in and then I would wait for him to come out. And then, you know, double check, did you wash your hands? Um, But also that way I could tell if it was too long. And then I would tell him to wait right here outside while I go into the bathroom, do not move, do not talk with anyone. And I would go to the bathroom as fast as I could, wash my hands and get out. And so that is how I've dealt with having a boy and a girl having to go to the bathroom. I, I had them go to the bathroom with me until about six. So it's really just been about a year and a half that he's been going to the bathroom on his own. And then now with the other little boy, I allow him to kind of be the teacher for him um, and feel responsible to be sure you all go. You don't talk with anybody in there. You Mm -hmm. go in, you come out and that's it. And that's, that's how I'm, how I manage that even with my girl, but I stand outside the bathroom and make sure that no one's getting to them. And if there's too long a time, I open the men's door and say, come on out, you know, what's going on in there so that folks can also know I'm out here looking for my baby. Mm -hmm. And I did want to go back just one quick thing, because what Toja said with the night wedding, that was I was pulling my hair out on that. And 
There is a contraption called a pee alarm. I did everything for my boy, treats, you know, extra tablet time. Nothing I did, you know, cutting out beverages at 5.30 and he goes to bed at 7.45. Nothing helped. And it honestly was a laziness thing. Some people don't want to admit that that's what it was. But I would ask him, why are you not going to the bathroom? It's literally outside your door. Mm -hmm. And he would be like, mama, it just feels so good to sleep in the bed. And and (laughs) yes, so it wasn't um, a physical issue because then I was like, does he have a urinary tract infection? Is there something going on? Mm -hmm. And one of my guy friends said that his son was wet in the bed until eight and he just was sick of it. And they got a pee alarm. And it's almost like, you know, iPhone cord. You, mm-hmm. you know, clip it onto the, their underwear. As soon as there's some wetness on that underwear, it'll, there's, it's almost like how the police have like the little thing on there. Uh-huh. Um, as soon as there's wetness on that clip, the alarm will go off. And so he'll wake up and have uh-huh. to turn it off for it to go off. And that makes him go to the bathroom. After two weeks, stop wetting the bed. Wow. I did a I did a bit more old school approach. Um when I got to the point where I'm like, this is gonna be ridiculous putting pull-ups on them, <laughs> you know, and they were like I would say they were about five, five and a half or so. Not even five. I think I think we even make it to five. I was like, okay, they're getting too big. I'm not spending any more on pull-ups. We're done. Mm-hmm. And I did this thing where right before I went to bed, I would wake them up and take them to the bathroom without saying no, no frills or anything. I just kind Mm -hmm. of pulled them up, walked them, guided them. They did their thing and they went right back to bed. And I was really stunned the first time I did it. Like, oh, they didn't actually wake up. And they're already horrible sleepers anyway. They always wake up in the middle of the night. And so I was like, you know what? This is going to be the routine. So every time... It got to the point where I was like, okay, I can't go to bed before 11, 11.30 <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's the window that they need. And so we just got to a point where I bought some some padding. You know how you get the hospital padding that you put underneath them? Mm-hmm. Um, we tried that for about a week just to test whether they would you know, be fine. They wake up every night at around the same time between awesome. anywhere from 11, 11.30 to one thirty or so, whenever they get up to come to my bed, I'm like, go to the bathroom. <laughs> and they do, yeah. and they come yeah. back and they go to bed. And oh. so we haven't had an accident, but that's that's a whole me having to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. carry them along. But I got that from a friend of mine and who's also a mom of boys who, you know, when he was five, that's what she did. Mm-hmm. So I have never been the 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 girl to go to the beauty parlor and get my hair done because I can't sit for hours. Mm-hmm. So with boys, how are you handling the barbershop? Do you do or do you do you are you home cutting or like what's the deal there? I love the barbershop. <laughs> Me too. I, I love it too. I love it especially for my boys because again. I'm I'm not I didn't grow up getting my hair done all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So for my boys, it's an opportunity for them to see how other men engage and interact. And my son picked up what's up, you know, and you know, just <laughs> oh, a, a, a more confident bob in the head, you know, mm-hmm. grasping, doing the grip from the barbershop. 
Uh-huh. And he also realized this is where the men come and you come and you be a man and you get fresh. So I, I they have to earn the money to get their haircut. And mm-hmm. I make them feel that it's about their self-esteem. It's, you know, you're going to be more handsome. You won't look raggedy. You got to look sharp, feel sharp. And so I make them also pay the barber as well as tip the barber and mm-hmm. say you did a you know good job so that they can understand the responsibility and the interaction when dealing with other men. Um, the great thing that I do have about the barbershops that I've gone to, they've been respectful barbershops. So when you know the kids would come in, they would turn the music to something a little bit more friendly. Or if there was a movie on, they would, you know, turn it off. So I've been fortunate to, you know, and I would have only dealt with barbers like that, but it's an opportunity that they love. And then I have my daughter, just as I do for them, for her, I have my daughter tell them how handsome they look. Woo, you look (laughs) handsome. You look (laughs) Yeah, they can know that it's an opportunity for them to put their shoulders back lift their head up a little bit more mm-hmm. that's, that's really cute yeah no we we've enjoyed the barber um I started taking them when they were about almost two years old and it's been really lovely and like like Tony I I have only gone to barbers that know how to handle kids and you know and have kids around and um yeah it's a really great chance for them to be with other men and see how you know men sort of clean up right so before coming to maryland we were in ohio and we really loved that barber because he just really played around with them he just like fell in love with them and built a real relationship with them so i mean almost two years after we left he would check in on them and just see how they're doing because he missed them and our second barber, this is before the pandemic, he was great too. I mean, just really sweet. Um, I ended up have, like dating him for a minute. Um, Ooh, that's we'll going to be my later. All your clients, moms. That was just a hot minute. And so since then, I I actually used to do all of my brother's hair and my dad's hair. And so the pandemic has kind of brought me back to that. And I'm not sure that the only reason why we would go to a barber now is because I don't feel like doing their hair anymore. And that I really do like the environment and that kind of culture. Um, it really does provide them an opportunity to connect with other men. So I may not go to the same barber, though. I'm going to find somebody else. So okay. I could be, be a little awkward. All right. So speaking of exposure to other men and creating community, uh, we talk a lot about creating community for our children. And I think a lot of people feel that boy moms have a little bit more pressure to give their sons act- access to positive male role models. And so even though I think it's important to do that for both boys and girls, how have you all handled this issue as mothers? I have gone back and forth with this. I think I think that it is important to have positive male and female role models, right? And I'm not necessarily convinced that they need to learn how to be good men only from men. I had brothers who were raised by, for the most part, by a single mom. And um, my father was not the best role model. And so they learned in the sort of in the negative from my dad. And so 
having had that experience and also knowing that there were some wonderful men in my life, I haven't been too concerned about curating their world in such a way that I have to, I I don't really have a lot of anxiety around it. Although I think that recently it's becoming clear that they, they crave that a little bit. I am not sure. I think part of this is the pandemic. I actually have a really dear friend who we do get to see, and he's a wonderful role model. And I do see the difference that it does make when they spend time with him and how he interacts with them is meaningful for them. Do I go out of my way for it? Not, not yet. I may want to as we move forward and as we move out of this kind of pandemic lockdown, I think it would be important for me to at least put them in environments and contexts where they can interact with other men, other boys, other kinds of boys. You know, we've been really fortunate to have a pod with positive male models in our, in our pod in terms of other parents. Mm-hmm. And so it hasn't been as big a deal as many people thought it would when I was starting my journey a lot of people that was their one thing they were like well how are you gonna if he's not if they don't have a father like how are you gonna do that and I was like well I'm not sure that that's going to be such a big deal now I I think that will evolve over time I think I wonder though you know I think that even my girls have a fascination with men and I don't know that it's like them identifying, you know, like, cause they're not boys. So they're not like, Oh, this person's like me. I think it's just that because there isn't, you know, there isn't a dad and they see their friends have dads. They're like extra fascinated by men. Like, mm-hmm. but I will say I have not seen that in my girls and I have a theory that my, I don't have a lot of, my brothers don't live close to me. My girls know that they have uncles, but I also don't have a lot of siblings who are married. And I think that there is something with the dynamic. If you have a close relation that is married and always around, even as an SMC, your energy and family dynamic might be different. But as soon as they're around, they see a traditional family structure. And I think that that curiosity peaks them as well. And it's a theory, right? It's different. Mm -hmm. Like, so like we live with my dad, my dad lives with us, I guess. Right. Right. And so like, I think it's very obvious to them that like his male energy is different. Like it's, it's essentially a house of women. And then, (laughs) and so, and he's also just like different in an, in even not just not necessarily a gender way, just he's strange in his own way. And so (laughs) they, they, they love that difference because he's just, you know, like he's the, he's the person that's like, I'm going to throw them in the pool and watch them swim. Right. Whereas I'm like very hovery and I'm like, ah, don't get hurt. Or like, you know, they'll go downstairs and visit him because he gives them cookies at like all hours. Right. So it's, it could also just be like the difference in the male energy. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I, I agree with the energy. I, w- I will say as a grown woman, I enjoy the energy and company of a man. So I'm not even <laughs> oh, going to <laughs> my all my kids. But uh-huh. I will say even, you know, for my daughter, she looks forward to a male's company. You know, she looks forward to when are you going to get married or, you know, it might be easier if you had a husband. And then with my son, he's even like, it would be fun to have a daddy. 
you know, things like that. But what I've noticed even, and this kind of was even heartbreaking. And so I remember when the pandemic first hit and we were watching Disney, you know, and you think of with all things Disney, Mickey Mouse and, you know, some of the Disney. And my son said, oh, it must be great to be white because he saw all the characters on the Disney show that were white. Horrible back in the day. Well, this was during the pandemic. So this is even now, you know, and so um, I say that to say just as he internalized the white part of it, he might internalize where's the male part of it in, you know, our household when he sees that there are men around and in other households. And I will also say one thing that I did notice is that men give less leniency um, to the boys' behavior. So one of my guy friends will say, you you know, you're telling them too many times to sit down. You need to tell them to sit down and that's it. And so I did realize how men will do things where I'll coddle and allow. They're like, nope, cut it, do it, let's go. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that you brought that up, Tony. I So I want to pivot to a post-George Floyd era, right? And so we know that America has this perception of Black boys and Black men that then, um, con- that then lead to maltreatment of Black boys and Black men. How do you or have you seen a difference in discipline, right? Discipline at the elementary school levels could be, you know, you're on school suspension, you know, all the way through, you know, timeouts and whatever methodology the school uses. And then as they grow up, it becomes, you know, with other authority and predominantly police interactions with police. So how has that impacted your your dynamics in this post-George Floyd era that we're in? That's a really good question. And I honestly, we're in the thick of it at the moment. I think I came to the group when I was struggling with my one of them, one of my twins. So they're not the same complexion. One is darker than the other. Not that much darker. I mean, he's still fair-skinned, but in the family dynamic, he's darker. And I've noticed that people do treat him differently and we have a much more negative approach towards him than they initially do with my fair twin. And it's, it's always been interesting to me to observe it. And I, and I, I intervene immediately and like, and they're not even aware that they're doing it when when I do do that. And this started as early as when they were in daycare at 18 months or so is when I started noticing it. And we've had three au pairs, two of those au pairs, one from South Africa, black South African mm. was the worst. <laughs> with I don't know. I mean, I went to college yeah. in South Africa. And they- yeah, it was it was bad. Um, colorism issues there. Yeah. So we've been dealing with that. I haven't seen it so much lately in Baltimore. I have a feeling it's because we're in Baltimore. Like it's much more diverse here generally. We um, we haven't confronted any discipline issues in part because, you know, I'm very lucky. My boys are very mild mannered, very lovable, cuddly kinds of kids. And so they haven't confronted any kind of, they haven't had any interactions that way. However, the George Floyd stuff did impact us quite, quite drastically um, because 
part of their pod, they're they're the they're black in their pod, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one of their pod buddies was very callous in just saying, you know, saying something about the police coming after them because they're because they're brown. Oh, that's you know, and in front of me, in front of his parents, we were all I mean, together. They did that so that you knew because you never know. Oh, like, yeah. Kids don't tell you. Right. Yeah. And apparently that wasn't the first time he had said it. And so um, his parents were absolutely shocked. And I was also shocked. And we all had to kind of go to different corners and talk through it. And then I circled back to those parents to have a conversation with them like how are you how are you talking about this with your child because okay. clearly some steps were like we this is an opportunity for us to come correct with all of it <laughs> and then we proceeded to have several months of my my child really being very focused on his complexion and being terrified right like what does it mean to be a brown boy in the world and really coming to terms with that some of it also had to do with also, you know, age appropriate distinguishing I'm different from my brother. Like I'm like we're twins, but we're separate humans mm -hmm. um, and I don't look like everyone else in the in the household. So I had to do some some real work around really explaining to him differences, how they work, really being curious about how he's interpreting the world and meeting him where he was at rather than assuming that the damage that was being done was at this level when it really was, you know, much more at his level. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far. And I imagine it's going to keep evolving as we move forward. I think it's, it's so interesting that oftentimes one of the threads that is like very similar with, with many, especially black, bl being black in America is that oftentimes the first time you really realize your identity is a negative experience. Yes. You know, it's like, it's not a situation where like, it's like you're being praised for being darker. You're being praised for being black. It's like the moment you realize you're black and it's usually something that is not a good situation like that. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's bad. There has been a, a quite a few issues, especially recently, but addressing the George Floyd and the police, two things. I was raised in Montgomery County, Maryland, and we always were raised to respect the police, even though my family's from the deep south of Arkansas and Blacks were horribly treated. However, we lived next door to the chief of police who was Black. And so we respected and for, first and foremost were taught good people, bad people. So when George Floyd matter was finally addressed um, through videotape and you can't deny it. That's when I was able to, again, reflect good people, bad people and good police and bad police. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, referencing before anything, good people, bad people, not to discount that racism exists and still exists, but I want my children and have taught them that they are beautiful children, not beautiful black children. And mm -hmm. so as far as my babies are, you know, fairly chocolate, I say to my son, well, both of them, you're beautiful, you're handsome. But I especially say to my son, look at how chocolate you are. Look at how, you know, you look like a shiny M&M. You know, I can eat you up so mm -hmm. that like Harry, you were saying, 
the first time I realized my color was an issue was when I was called a nigger. <laughs> and I yeah. was just like, wow. But it, and just felt it being wrong. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I want my children to, their self-esteem to be so strong that when that word hits them, which it will, mm-hmm. when that word hits them, they have a internal defense of so much pride about being black that it doesn't hurt them in the way that it has hurt in the past. And so again, with the police um, and being in DC where our chief and mayors have historically been black, my children do have a good representation and respect the police and funny that my son when we're out, go up and hug the police. And the white police have even said, thank you. I I needed that, you know, and especially coming from a black child, it let the police know we respect you for what you do. Um, It's only the bad ones that, you know, we have an issue with. I think it's so important. I I remember when Black Lives Matter, you know, all the protests were going on and stuff like Mike, my oldest was getting scared about it, you know, because she went through this phase where she was like, Oh my gosh, the police are going to kill us. Right. And I, and I had to kind of do the same thing. It's like, no police are people. Right. And they're good police and they're bad police. Just like there's good people and there's bad people. And I, and I had to also explain to her, I was like, you know, when you encounter people on the street, you never know if they're going to be a good person or a bad person. You just have to do your best to try to avoid danger (laughs) Uh, so that you don't encounter somebody who's not going to understand that, you know, you're not doing something wrong or, or what have you. But I want to leave us on a happy note. What advice would you give new moms who are about to embark on this journey of boy momhood? And, and in that, what are the best things about being a boy mom? I would say have fun with it. You have an mm-hmm. opportunity to raise little people. Whether or not they're boys or girls, I, I think your child will, it's interesting. When I imagined parenthood, I thought I knew what I was gonna do. I was gonna do this, I was gonna do it this way, I was gonna do it that way. My children have shaped the parent that I have become and, and will continue to be. It's based on who they are as humans. And my intention is to raise well-rounded, whole, feeling, Mm -hmm. loving, compassionate humans in the world. Um, And so when I take that as my mission, it it really isn't about boy or girl. There are days that I, you know, I think all children require so much energy. (laughs) So, um, and I actually, one of my boys, and maybe this is another podcast uh, episode that you can think about is is actually gender non-conforming. And he doesn't necessarily conform to how boys should be in the world all the time. Um, he embraces it some days and other days he's not about it, you know. Um, and so I think my biggest advice is to approach approach this process with openness, curiosity and, and energy and just kind of be there for them and see how they move and where they lead you. And this is an opportunity to really kind of expand who we are as as mothers and and be who we want to be in the world i mean part of this journey about motherhood is just your your identity is also being challenged and stretched and it's a it's a process of growth for us as much as it is raising them i love that 
I agree. Have fun with your children. Have fun with your boys. My focus with my boys is making sure that they're proud, productive, positive, respectful, and respectable gentlemen in society. And, you know, there's things that go along with that, manners, ethics, standards that go along with that, that I hold for my daughter just as highly. I, I, I put it even more stressfully on my boys. Be gentlemen, be productive members of society and represent yourself to be respected and be respectable. And I just enjoy them doing that. And so enjoy your girls, enjoy your boys. I'm just so happy. Like it makes me so happy that you all are just producing this next generation of really good men out there. I think so often people assume that when we take this path, it means we hate men, which is so not true. Absolutely. Um, So many of you are, you know, raising these boys who are going to just be the amazing people. And I'm just so happy to see that. Well, there you have it, Pod. You have, from essences themselves, raising boys, it's not that different than raising a human. And so enjoy your journey, embrace it, and embrace the growth that's going to happen in you. And thank you, Tony. Thank you, Toja. And until next time, Pod. Bye. 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 Thank you. (laughs) Well, Pod. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.